when I was in high school, got my driver's license. Our, my mom and dad just had one car. My mom really didn't like to drive that much, so she only drove when it was necessary. But with a new driver coming into the house, they decided they needed a second car. I began coaching my dad on what that second car should be. We went to an auction specifically because there was a Camaro there. Some of you went, what? Don't worry about it. We missed it. We didn't get it. Instead, we found a 1964 Ford Mustang with a 289 four-barrel dual exhaust with glass packs and a four-speed Hurst shifter. In all four gears, it could lay rubber, or so I'm told. If you were riding in the passenger seat, I could throw you backwards in all four gears. It was a beautiful piece of machinery. Totally unexpected. My older brother was not happy. <laughs> the second car when he got his license was a Dodge Cornet <laughs> with a push-button transmission. So bad they quit making them after that year. It was. <laughs> I say all that to say this. As we begin this message this morning, what I think is the last of this series of the unexpected, but since it's unexpected, who knows? I'm telling you, just like with that Mustang, when I was 16, you better strap yourself in. Because God's up to something this morning. So hold on. Here we go. The unexpected life. I told you last week that I've had enough of the unexpected, but that's not quite true. I've had enough of the unexpected health-wise, but that's not up to me. But I haven't had enough of the unexpected of what God wants to do. The first week, we looked at Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 and how God just unexpectedly, miraculously released them from prison and the prison guards and all kinds of people got saved as a result of that unexpected intrusion of God. The second week, we took a look in John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus. <laughs> Talk about unexpected. Dude had been dead and buried for four days. But Jesus just called him out and he came. And last week, we looked at the unexpectedness of grace. And the woman caught in adultery. And we remember specifically John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. In verse 11, where Jesus said to her and says to us, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. 
So this morning, where are we at? Well, we're in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. We are at the point where we are looking at the unexpected Holy Spirit. Jesus had told them this was coming, but they didn't even know what it was so, or who this was. So it was unexpected, and the way it came was unexpected. They were in Jerusalem, and the crowds were there, and the Lord sent the Holy Spirit to them. And before that, he gave them these instructions. See, in Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 6, they were gathered together, and they were talking, and When they had come together, verse 6 says, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth unexpected. This somewhat motley band of followers. You see, later in the book of Acts, they were called uneducated. That word can sometimes be translated idiots. (laughs) That's what the learned people thought of Peter and John and the rest of the disciples who were following Christ. They couldn't understand how God could use them to do all these things. It encourages me because I fall in that idiot category a lot. Thank you for not saying amen. (laughs) It was unexpected. You see, what we have to understand about the Holy Spirit is, number one, you will receive. That's what he said in verse 8. But you will receive. It's a definitive statement. It's not a question. What you will receive is the power to serve and to witness. That's why he said, once you get this power, here's what I want you to do. Start where you're at. Sterling, Rock Falls, wherever you're at, start there and then move out. Getting to the ends of the earth. One of the awesome things about being a part of our denomination, the Church of the Nazarene, we have ministry, we have work, we have boots on the ground, so to speak, in about 163 or four world areas. We're getting there, but... One of my questions is, are we getting Jerusalem? Are we getting where we are? We will receive power. Now, you have to understand, not meaningless power, not just for show power like my Mustang was, but power with a purpose. The purpose is to serve and to witness But I have to ask, what are you doing with the power? I had to learn with that Mustang how to handle the power. That just because I had it didn't mean I should always use it. My mom said that more than once. Never could quite understand why. 
but that we have been given power, but it's power with a purpose. But understand this, the definitive statement you will receive is with this caveat. You must be willing to receive. If you're willing to receive, the Holy Spirit empowers and fills and purifies and cleanses us. But we have to be willing to receive that spirit. And if you're willing, and if you're willing to accept the conditions of the Holy Spirit, you will receive that power. But I have to pause for a second, interrupt. I shared this part of the message with the board Thursday night, although you're not allowed to tune out at this point. But in verse 11, I want you to read what was taking place here. Jesus had given them this instruction. In verse 9, they were watching and Jesus went up out of their sight. And verse 10 says, while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. We assume these are angels. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you have seen him go into heaven. You see, we have to ask the questions. Why are we just looking? That's what the angel said to them. Why do you stand here looking? He gave you instructions. He told you what to do next. And you're just standing here looking. I did an experiment one time with some high school buddies. We went to the local mall in the town where we lived. And we had been studying some stuff in school about the phenomenon of, of um, people just following something, even if they don't know what it is. And in the big middle of the mall, this atrium that most of them had at, at that point, we, we went out there and, and I said, well, let's see what happens. And so we just... The four of us stood there and we were looking up and we just started pointing. There wasn't anything there. It was just the normal stuff. But we stood there and we just started pointing and elbowing. Ah, look, look. And after a little bit, there was a crowd around us who were elbowing each other and going, look. And then we slowly, one by one, slipped out from the center of that and stood back and laughed. Because there was a whole group of people just looking. They didn't even know what they were looking at. They had seen us looking, so they assumed there was something to see. And we just did it to see if they would look. I think sometimes we act like that with what God's called us to. Where we look a lot. We just don't act on it. We see a lot. We just don't serve. See, we have been called. We are called not just to receive and then stand and stare. That's not what we've been called to do, to get this. And that's why those angels said to them, I believe, why do you stand here looking? What did he say to you? Go back to verse 8. He said, you'll receive power. And when you do, be my witnesses. That wasn't going to happen standing on the mountaintop looking up in the clouds. 
we have to make sure that we recognize and follow this. We have been called to action. We have not been called to sit and stare. We have not been called to stand and point. We have not been called to debate. We have been called to action, to serve, to show, to witness of who Jesus Christ is and the power of his Holy Spirit. The power has been given for a purpose. What are you doing with the power? Oh, I could show off in that Mustang. And I found out that the rumors were true. You could lay rubber in all four gears. I found out that you could straighten out some S-curves if you took them just right and fast enough. Any teenagers listening, please ignore everything I just said. But you know what? All it was was show. For you see, I didn't gain anything from doing that other than showing off and having the police look at me suspiciously and having to buy tires sooner. We've been called to receive the Holy Spirit. Quite often when that happens, we are unexpected. It was not something we expected. A while after I had accepted Christ as my Savior, Jody and I were already married, and I was so unhappy with my spiritual life. And I couldn't understand it. I accepted Jesus, but it just wasn't going the way it should. There was no power in my life. And as I began to pray and to really look back in the scripture and realize that I had been called to receive something that I had yet been willing to receive. For at some point, you have to surrender yourself to God. That's the condition. To be filled with his Holy Spirit. That's the command. To use that as his witness. That's the call. You see, to be filled means you will be changed. And that's where my wrestling started. Because I looked around and realized, I'm not sure I've changed that much. Jody and I were talking recently. And she just said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you get sanctified as we call it in the church of the Nazarene at such and such time? And I said, yeah. It was during a revival service at Kankakee First Church of the Nazarene. I slipped in late, which is not a habit of mine. I did it on purpose because I didn't want to be seen. And I stepped over the ropes to go up in the balcony that had been shut off. Because I didn't want to be with anyone. Because I was wrestling. And up there in that balcony. God got through. 
And I said, yes. You see, what had happened is I'd been wrestling with this and pleading for it without receiving. I knew it intellectually. I grew up as a pastor's kid. I could explain it to you. I just didn't have it. For you see, to be filled means you will be changed. Chapter 2 of Acts, the first four verses, says on the day of Pentecost, when it arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them, rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance or power to do so. They were changed, and the whole town noticed In fact, they didn't know what it was. They just knew something had changed. And so they accused them of being drunk. Because they didn't know how else to explain this changed behavior. The Holy Spirit moved in such a way that it caught the attention of people who weren't in the room where they were. In other words, the neighbors called the cops because it was too noisy at church. How long has it been since that happened? you see, they were changed. And then of all people, Peter, (laughs) the most uncouth of them all. I love Peter. I identify with Peter. He had a tendency to open mouth to change feet sometimes. I've been known to do that. And God used him. He stood up and preached and A whole bunch of people came to faith in Christ. But you see, what really matters wasn't just that. What really mattered is what happened afterwards. And you go to the end of the chapter, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And it explains the change. What they were doing as they were sharing, as they were helping, as they were studying. And verse 47 says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It is not the number. It is the fact that lives were changed because of what happened to them. So here's the uncomfortable truth. To be filled means to be changed, which means we are not called to be unchanged. But instead, we have to recognize if there is no change, there has been no filling. To claim to be filled with the Holy Spirit and have no change in our life, to to claim to be led as a church by the Holy Spirit but have no change, is a contradiction because the Holy Spirit always brings change. First to the heart that receives, then to those we witness to. That condition is not just a willingness, but it is a willingness to surrender. We must surrender. In that upper room at the beginning of chapter 2, they surrendered. They had been in prayer. 
And God did his thing. It's a God thing. One of my prayers this year is that we would see a whole lot more God things going on. Stuff that can only be explained by saying that had to be God. Because of changed lives. Unexpected. You see, the surrender can never be an almost surrender. It has to be a total surrender. In fact, a contradiction of terms that I hear at times is people talking about a partial surrender. (laughs) I mean, just think through that for a second. I was not an A student. But I'm pretty sure surrender means surrender. In other words, I give up. I'm not sure how you give up partially. But that's what we try to do. In fact, as I read one author this week, he said, it seems like what we try to do is see how far we can go in surrender, but still keep control. Yeah, you know that one, don't you? Okay, Lord, you can have this, this, and this. I just want this. But you see, that's not surrender. That's negotiation. To be filled with his spirit, to be changed by the Holy Spirit requires a surrender. You go, that's scary. Yes. It's also the most exciting thing you will ever experience. So I don't know what will come next. Nope. That's why it's called the unexpected. <laughs> Scary? Yeah. Life-changing? Always. Unexpected? Absolutely. Now, see, my personality likes that. I'm of the personality. Somebody says, we've never done that before. I'm going, cool, let's try it. Which sometimes gets me in trouble. But when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, there needs to be nothing partial. For you see, there was nothing partial about what he did on the cross. He didn't just die a little up there. He died, was buried, and then rose again. That's what he wants to do with us. And we have to recognize that when we surrender, when we receive this power, it is a day-by-day reality. Notice in chapter 2, verse 47, it says, Daily, day by day, the Lord added. He wants to do something in your life daily. The one thing that should never be said of those of us claiming to follow Jesus Christ is, boy, that's boring. If your life in Christ is boring, you're doing it wrong. You see, it is a day-by-day reality, which means daily I surrender. I make a a complete, and we don't have time this morning to go into all of that. We'll do that at another time about there has to be this complete surrender. But then there is also daily because tomorrow's a new day. In that moment, in the balcony at Kankakee First Nazarene, when I surrendered, we had no kids. Guess what? I had to surrender those kids. 
See, it's a daily thing. There must be a day-by-day reality, a daily impact. So I have to ask you, are you willing to receive? Jesus made it a definitive statement. Chapter 2, verse 8, you will receive. But it is conditional. You must be willing. You must surrender. I have to ask if you're just looking or if you're actually living it out. Sometimes it's easy to feel justified in just looking because there's a crowd like there was in the mall that day. See, everybody felt justified in standing there and pointing up because there were a whole bunch of them doing it. There was just no purpose to it. And the big question is, is your life changed? For if there's no change, there's been no power. And if there's been no power, that means there's been no surrender. Are you willing to receive? We sang and many of you came and brought burdens down. And part of what that song was saying is, Holy Spirit, come. He's here. Are you willing? Heads bowed and eyes closed. I know this has not been a theological study of the Holy Spirit, but it's instead a beginning of the practicality of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I wonder this morning, if there's anybody that's here that says, I'm tired of just looking. I want to live this. I want to see power in my life. I want to see change in my life so that it impacts change in others in this moment. I don't know what all it means, but in this moment, on this day, I say, Lord, I surrender. If that's where you are this morning, would you just stand right where you are? Don't worry about whether anybody else does. Don't look around to see if anybody else stands. Just stand up where you are as an act of commitment to saying, I surrender everything to you. Not worrying about or waiting on anybody else. Just saying, this is the moment for me. Jesus, I implore you and the power of your Holy Spirit to just shake us up. Lord, may we sense that you are moving among us And I thank you for these that have stood. And Father, may you confirm in their heart right now that you're doing something in them. That you are meeting the need and rewarding their willingness to surrender. Lord, you know what it is. Maybe it's just one thing they've been holding back on. Maybe it's everything. But you know And Lord, as they right now, in obedient prayer, surrender to you. May you do what you always do and fill them with your power, your Holy Spirit, so that their life is changed.
Lord, I pray that you would prompt me throughout this week in particular to be lifting them in prayer. Bring their face to my mind as I pray. Prompt me at points where I don't even know what's going on, but just to pray for them in this moment of surrender and receiving the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, may you settle upon us in ways we've never seen or experienced. And may when we go from here today, we go in the knowledge of your power and your purpose to not just stand and stare, to not just look, not try to show off with the power you've given us, but to live with purpose for what you've called us to do. You may be seated. Father, may you move among us throughout this week. And may we be obedient to whatever you ask. In Jesus' name, amen.